0: Sound of Design with Mark and Dan, the podcast that takes you on an exhilarating journey through the captivating realm of custom technology.
1: Don't miss out on this thrilling auditory expedition into the mesmerizing world of custom technology. All right, well, welcome to the Sound of Design with Mark and Dan, and uh, thank you very much uh, for being here with us today. Uh, As usual, we are very excited for uh, today's topic. We're going to talk all about TVs and video sources. Woo! And it is going to be awesome, to be quite honest. And I'm really not a TV guy. And I say that knowing that I am an American man, and I do love my TV. (laughs) (laughs) So, all things being equal, like... Uh Yes, everybody wants a big, awesome television. We're going to get into some of the differences in TVs. Uh, but if you don't feed that TV good food, I don't care how good it is, it's not going to look great. And so before we get to the displays, I really do want to spend some time going on sources and talking a little bit about that, because what you watch is just as important. And it's just the same thing with audio, right? What you listen to is going to make a big difference. That's why we talked about demos uh, at the end of last week's episode is you got to feed your system good food. Um And so today I think we should talk a little bit about both of those things. Um, and then we can kind of get into the TVs a little bit and we might do a segment. We might not. We'll see how it all, uh, how it
0: all goes. I think, I think we'll get there. I do. Yeah, I do. I
1: yeah. So, I'm,
0: too. I'm actually, I'm actually super excited about this episode too, because I do care a lot about my TV Um <laughs> Uh, my parents laugh at me because I I replace my TV, my main television, probably every two to three years Um, because it's it's what we do, right? Now, I, I love my audio too, so I'm not hating on audio. I just, for some reason, have to have one of the best displays on the market every time it comes out because I see the minute differences and it drives me insane until I have it until the next year when they release another one.
1: Yep. Well, and I think that's one of those things that people always say when they're shopping for TVs, and I've had this conversation literally a thousand times,
0: well, if I didn't
1: have this one at my house next to the other one, then I'd never be able to tell the difference and I wouldn't really care. And it's like, you know, like I get that to a point, man, I really do. But the whole point of shopping for the television is to figure out what's going on. (laughs) What is the difference? And listen, if it's not worth it to you, fine. I don't care. But if it's... If not being able to accurately talk about it um, is, uh, I think, going to be pretty important. And I think the other thing we're going to try to do, we do not want to spend too t- much time in the technicals. So we're going to try and keep the terminology pretty light, but there will be some stuff. And we'll try and uh, make sure that we clarify uh, any technical terms as we go along. Uh, so to start with, um, what is the best possible source that you could uh, begin with and maybe we'll start at the top and work our way down and through the options. So what, uh, what would you say if I wanted the absolute best possible picture quality, where would you take me?
0: Well, I'm going to take you on a trip down Kaleidoscape way and talk about, and, uh, what is in my opinion, the best video movie watching TV, watching experience that you can get. Um, I've been, I've experienced Kaleidoscape since like 2012. Okay. Uh, and that was when they were just doing DVDs and you could load all your DVDs in and and uh, essentially what it would allow you to do is it would record those DVDs to a hard drive that was either local or outboard, like a separate piece. Um, and then you could take those DVDs back out and you could go trade them in and you own the, the, the digital version of that but not just the digital version as in like it's recorded off the disc. It actually is downloaded from the Kaleidoscape servers at, uh, at whatever their highest quality was available at the time for DVDs. Once Blu-rays hit, they had a chassis that you could load your Blu-ray drives in. That's kind of when you and I really started working with them. Yep. Um, and that was great, but they changed copyright, you know, so you had to keep the Blu-ray movies inside of that chassis in order to watch them. Um, but still kind of worked the same way. You had an outboard piece that had four or five, you know, different hard drives in them and they would basically run in a raid fashion. So you'd have all the movies on two hard drives and backups of them on the other. Um, And then they came out with the strato, which is kind of their current uh, suite of, of products. So you have the strato and the Terra. the strato is your player. The Terra is your server. Um, Essentially, all digital at this point. You can still integrate a DVD Blu-ray player into the system, but it's not really for playback. It's more just so you can say, "Hey, I own this," and then buy a digital version from them. Um, but uh, all that being said, why Kaleidoscape? Um, the biggest thing is is bit rate, um, specifically in how the movie is is uh, the throughput is played back to you. So. Um, I know we're going to talk about Blu-rays and some other things, but your average streaming movie throughput is about 8 megabits per second for video. You can get as high as maybe 20 to 30-ish somewhere in there depending on what servers you're using. I know that Max and some of the other ones out there will use that. Um, Blu-ray movies, up to 50 megabits per second. Uh, K-Scape, Kaleidoscape is going to be 65 megabits per second. So what does that mean for you? It's just going to mean more color, more detail, more clarity in what you're watching, um, no matter what that is. Um, A lot of the newer films, Hollywood movie studios actually release a version 2 Kaleidoscape for them to master for their players. So you get the maximum amount of those details um, for your system. And then, uh, audio is, is also the other reason. Uh, it's going to output it about the same as a Blu-ray disc, but you know, video is really where you get the biggest adv- advantage.
1: Yep, absolutely. And and I'm glad that uh, you went kind of through the tiers talking about how many megabits per second. And I just want to maybe give an analogy that would help clarify what it is that you're we're really talking about. It's one thing to say well you'll get a clearer picture it's like yeah but you know compared to what or i'll get a better picture it's like yeah but compared to what and there's been this classic uh, thing between film and digital that went on for you know 30 40 years and if you go back and look at Lawrence of Arabia you go back and look at some of those classic movies that were shot in cinemascope and some of those better formats on film go back and watch the godfather go back and watch THX 1138 you know a very classic uh, cult classic movie those are extremely extremely well shot and the reason why you have so much good information and such a clear picture is because in film there was no reduction or no digitization that happened it was a mechanical process so you see a blue sky you get a thousand percent percent blue sky. I mean, that's just what it was. Um, And so you have to kind of think through this in that same category. Well, as soon as you go to digital, you've introduced a limit. And so that's why we're going to constantly go back to this idea of bits and bytes, how much matters, because we're trying to get closer to that infinite, to that film standard, in order to give us the best picture possible. And I don't know if you've noticed this, but TVs keep getting bigger, and bigger and bigger and bigger. And as you continue to expand those images, right, you need more resolution. And so what happens is is you start reducing the bits and the bytes. you start losing a lot of that information. So it's absolutely, absolutely critical to feed that system the most food to get you closer to that film experience. And I understand. If you're a film guy, you're a TV guy, you're going to say, well, we didn't shoot on film this last movie anyway. It's like, and I get that, but just the analogy holds true. Did you use the lowest quality format or did you use a high quality format when you recorded? No, I got the best lens I could. I got the biggest file format that I could. I <laughs> shot that at 4K or 8K or whatever, and then we bounced it down to uh, to that lower format.
0: Right, right. And, you know... I, I kinda bypassed it, but you know, the other the other reason why I love Kaleidoscape so much is um it is it is digital, but it's also it's not streaming. You actually do store it. So yeah. you're guaranteed to get that performance every time. Versus, you know, I have uh, a gig service internet here, um, and I stream a lot of my content through Apple TV just because you know, I've had Apple products for years, and my wife and I have accumulated a pretty substantial digital library through them, mainly from buying physical disks. Um, but the nice thing about Kaleidoscape is it kind of gives me that, you know, performance or better of having these physical disks, but the convenience of still being able to just pick one from their, from their player. um if you've never demoed Kaleidoscape it's it's something that you need to go see and and I'm sure everyone's probably if if you know what I'm talking about you've seen it on someone else's system where it's just these beautiful uh layouts of all the movie covers and you go and select which one you want and then it reorganizes based on what that movie is about it may put you know if you select Star Wars uh it might pop up with whatever other Star Wars movies you have maybe Rogue One but then, you know, maybe it'll have, you know, it's got Mark Hamill. So it might pop up a Batman movie because he played Joker uh, in some of the animated films It might do other things. So it's actually, it's, it's really kind of a cool service. Cause there are just hundreds of times where I've been scrolling, trying to find something to watch. It's like, well, you know, I'm kind of in the mood for this, but I don't want to watch specifically this. Okay. Here's some other options. And it's right there next to it. So from a, experiential standpoint it offers the best performance and in my opinion the best experience
1: yep well and we should mention it is a luxury product and so if you have to ask yes. how much it is then you can't afford it and that's okay uh, that is <laughs> not uh, a knock on anyone but let's just be very clear um that uh, it is not for folks who are trying to cheat the system or uh you know try and steal Uh, cable like they used to back in the day and you know (laughs) put the splitter on you're like oh man listen I got my neighbor's Uh, that's not this okay this Uh, is (laughs) like I've got a nice theater room and I want the best content and you know we're already in a luxury you know category uh, style conversation so just understand that uh, it is designed for that premium uh, experience and quite frankly I remember (laughs) Uh, Being in LA, and uh, there's a this is going back almost 15 years, I want to say, and there's a good friend of mine had a kaleidoscope. He was a movie director um, in his private theater, and we went out to dinner. My wife and I, and you know, we're hanging out, and he's like, "I got to show you this thing," and this is before Netflix, right? This is before all the streaming. This is before all that kind of stuff, and the way that they did their layouts, quite honestly, is what inspired Netflix and Amazon and Max and Disney and all these folks where you have that first impression where you look at a screen and you see the title and it looks like the, you know, the movie, um, that was a kaleidoscope you know, innovation, quite honestly. So uh, mm-hmm. I credit a lot of the industry uh, going back to those guys and um, what it is that they were able to do. So, all right, let's, mm-hmm. uh, let's transition a little bit into Blu-ray because um, you also hit on something else that's very important. You download the information to a server. And so that means that if you live out in the country where you don't have great internet, or if you live uh, off the grid and you've got a James Bond style complex and you want to have access <laughs> to all of your stuff all of the time, uh, but you you know, don't want to be reliant upon the internet. Um, and honestly, I, I, I don't blame folks uh, for this because that is the more reasonable way to do it. I have so many clients that have massive Blu-ray collections and on Tuesdays they'd come by the store, they'd browse uh, the Blu-ray and DVD s- sections and uh, they've got massive, massive, massive collections. I can see Mark's collection, um, if uh, we were to release a video of this, you would see an entire bookshelf full of uh, hundreds uh, upon hundreds of movies. Um, and Too I many. Think, and, but you know what? <laughs> it in the odd, uh, you know, and I, I don't want to predict the future here, but if the government goes after Amazon and uh, Apple and they start breaking up uh, some of those things, you lose access to your uh, you know, subscription. And before you know it, you know, you spent that money, it's gone. So I understand mm-hmm. the idea of owning a hard disk. And uh, I really, really do appreciate uh, what Blu-rays give you from that perspective as well. It's like, no, I own it. I can put it in when I want and I know that it's going to work and I don't have to wait for the buffering. I don't have to wait for the loading. I don't have to wait for all those things.
0: Um, so. mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and what Dan can't see is it's actually this entire wall to my left is, <laughs> is movies and uh, Blu-ray 4k. There's some DVDs here and some video games, but mostly movies. So, and Honestly, like that was one of my my favorite things to do was browse the movie section, you know, at at your local store. Um, and unfortunately, most of those are gone now. So I really haven't added to my physical movie library since uh, probably since Batman, the the newest Batman movie that was released, uh, I guess, late last year. I'm um, just because. You know, convenience factor of owning it through a digital service as well as through Kaleidoscape. It's kind of hard to, for me to 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 spend a hundred dollars on a movie. You know, yeah. I'm already spending twenty five thirty dollars on Kaleidoscape and then ten fifteen on, on Apple. But you know, I can justify that because that's roughly what you would have bought the Blu-ray disc for. Yep. Um, but. That being said, you know, a few years ago, we're here in Nashville. There was a a crazy thing that happened, and uh, AT and T went went down for yeah. It was probably a week week or so. I want to say it was Um, the bombing downtown. Yeah, yeah. It was a a holiday season, um, and my phone stopped working. My internet stopped working, but we had a, a thousand movies to watch because. You know i still have my physical discs it'll be hard for me to get rid of them um but they are becoming a space uh they they take up too much space that's that's my only uh (laughs) my the only caveat for me is like i really want to do something different with my office and i've got this whole wall of movies that i've just gotta probably put in a storage box or something somewhere well
1: and and i'll say this uh, i i do think it's important to call out people often use the terms interchangeably uh dvd is not the same as blu-ray which is not mm-hmm. the same thing as 4k blu-ray and for the folks who are not technical uh just think of it like this uh you saw a big improvement in picture quality when you went from vhs to dvd and uh, we went into that first form of digital uh, format but that's still a standard definition uh mm-hmm. image right and as soon as the, you go to blu-ray uh you got into the hd and so that was the really the first thing. And, of course, folks will remember the HD DVD versus Blu-ray war that happened for a short time there. And you <laughs> figure out your formats. And uh, then you get into uh, 4K, and, you know, we're making that jump again. Uh, I think it's a really uh, fun thing to do. And I'm going to liken it very much to vinyl. Uh, anytime someone comes to town, there is a place um, called McKay's that we go to, which is a used... Um, media store is the best way to say it. They do books, they do vinyl, they do records, they do movies, they do, and in all formats that you can possibly imagine. And it's a lot of fun, quite honestly, to go in and browse. And, you know, you might find some really good bargains. You might find some stuff you didn't expect. You might overpay for something if it's a collector's edition, etc., etc. And you know what, though? Like, it's a great time to go in and spend a couple hours. And it's a great time to to bring those home and to, to watch your favorites and, and to maybe find some of your new favorites. So.
0: Um, I agree. I, I love that place, man. Like that. <laughs> my, before my brother moved here, anytime he would visit that, we would make it a, a thing that we're like, Hey, we're going to go over there. And my, you know, if my parents were here, they would just have to just deal with it. You know, they, <laughs> we'd go over there and we'd be there at least an hour. Yeah. And, and honestly, I had a, uh, I had a list of, of stuff that I was always looking for when I went there at one point in time. I haven't updated that list in a long time, but, um, and now heck you go there now and they've got tech stuff too, and musical instruments and yep. vintage <laughs> toys. And I, uh, so, I mean, if you're just a big kid at heart, like we are, like, it's an awesome place to go to, to find pretty much anything that you may or may not be looking for. So, and it's, um, all,
1: it's always packed.
0: Like always, it is. yes.
1: <laughs> Always packed. And I and it's part of the reason I bring it up is because like you're talking about physical media as if it's this dead thing. And in one sense it is, but at this exact same time it's like just go out in the world and look and you realize no, no, it's it's not dead. It's just shifted a little bit. And I think that's really more the point I was trying to make. So mm-hmm. uh also if you come to Nashville, go to McKay's. Uh, you'll have a great time.
0: <laughs> <laughs> we are not sponsored by them. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. yet
1: there you go if uh, (laughs) anybody knows their ownership let us know all right so let's go to uh the the next from a video source perspective we've talked about movies all uh, a lot and uh tv shows uh things that have been kind of pre-recorded but what about live tv um when you want to watch sports which obviously it's another huge uh category of uh what we watch so where would you start me uh, having that conversation between, say, uh, Comcast and DirecTV or your local cable provider?
0: Um, sure, sure. Um, you know, it's one of the the conversations that when, you know, I, I first started in this industry, I just, just, just a TV salesperson, essentially, like I didn't know much about this, but it was my job to learn about all the televisions that we sold at the time. And that was, you know, lcd led and plasma rip plasma um but uh (laughs) the one thing that you always made sure to tell people is like hey you know what you're watching here is at the time 1080p or 4k or 8k content Uh, it's the best content that you know some of the best content that we can provide for you because we want to show you kind of what this what this thing can actually do um when you get at home, if you're gonna connect something like Comcast, typically, well, not typically, you're gonna get, you know, the lowest quality video that you are that you would ever view on the television. And honestly, we used to talk up better TVs that way, like, hey, you buy this better TV, it's gonna make your lower quality video actually look a little bit better because of its processing and all that stuff. Um, but when you go to, when it comes to cable TV, you know, we said Comcast, that's what's here in Nashville. Um, you know, you typically will max out at uh, at 8-bit color. You might get a little bit higher depending on some of their newer boxes that have deep color options. Um, you know, it says it can output a 4K resolution. It might be outputting the actual resolution, but it's not giving you the detail there. It's going to be at a, you know, kind of around that same throughput as what you would see around streaming just because it's heavily compressed. Yep. Um I know back in the day when we used to sell DirecTV as well as a service, DirecTV was a better service because it is s- slightly less compressed. Um, so I always people always ask like, what service should I pick? Well, if you have to have channel numbers, and we'll get to that in a second, if you have to have channel numbers and you're g- meaning you're going to have a cable box, DirecTV was your better solution. Um, now though, you've got streaming TV. So I know you use YouTube TV. I have YouTube TV. I had direct TV stream for the longest time. Um, Honestly, I I think it's the best way to watch television. Uh, I don't know how you feel about it, but, you know, I love the convenience factor, being able to pull it up on my phone on top of being able to watch it on my television. Yep. Absolutely. It's... You know, there's I'm not going to say there's zero compression, but there's a lesser compression because it's coming from the Internet versus, you know, through a coaxial cable through copper. So I think mean, it's still copper, but you know what I'm saying? It's yep. not uh, compressed like like your constant is. Yeah. I mean, I, I watch it anywhere. Um, the my only caveat is it doesn't have channel numbers. You've got channel names. So if you want to watch ESPN, you got to scroll the ESPN. Not really a downside, but for some folks that like that, you know, tactile, I want to type in channel 1005 or 1205 or whatever it is, it's just, you know, you don't have that convenience, but you do have favorite channels and it usually learns what you watch anyway. So you can just simply go to that channel pretty quickly once you've used it a little bit.
1: Well, and I'm really glad you brought up channel numbers because this is, I think, kind of the... The, the way I've seen it break down over the last two, three years is I kind of have three buckets of folks that will pick live TV in one of these three options. And they do so, I think, for different reasons, right? So mm-hmm. I used to have Comcast Xfinity, okay? And they have their X1 voice remote. And I cannot tell you the number of individuals who are uncomfortable with technology who love the X1 voice remote. Mm -hmm. Now, Xfinity will raise your rates, and they will charge you like crazy, and the number is expensive, but I'm sorry, if what you want to do is pick up a remote and say Fox News or CNN or ESPN or whatever Mm -hmm. it is and let the thing go, guess what? You should have a Comcast cable box, and you should not feel bad about spending the money, just like you wouldn't spend, you wouldn't feel bad about spending money on a steak, like, go to a Fleming's, go to Morton's, <laughs> go to mm-hmm. Ruth's you know, Ruth, Chris, or, or whatever, like, and I'm going to spend a lot of money for dinner. Okay, fine. If that's what you want, then go for it. I think when it comes to integration with the control system, I find that TV with their numbers is fantastic because then you get to have a preset scene that can go to a specific channel uh, and then the last one, YouTube TV, is for those folks, I think, who are already technologically savvy. I mean, you've if you know about it, you know how to work it, and technology is not something that's intimidating to you, then quite frankly, yeah, we could go to a live streaming platform and not get our content through that coaxial cable. We can get it through our internet. And mm-hmm. so I love the fact, quite honestly, most of what we do for live TV is going to be NFL football, Right. Well, that only happens six months out of the year. The other six months out of the year, we're watching pre-recorded shows. So for us, you know, and we might be a unique example, but I can put that YouTube membership on pause and save the bill for six months out of the year. And that's pretty pretty cool. I really like the saving. So does that mean that it's the right solution for everyone? No, because you have to be technologically savvy in order to operate it. And I just went through this with a client. We tried to switch over to YouTube TV. We we literally did the free trial for a week, and he comes back. And he goes, uh, "Daniel, I can't do that." And I was like, "Let's <laughs> bite the bullet and let's get Comcast back in there." Because you know what? That's what's easy for you to use. And if it's we've said it on other episodes, if it's not easy to use, you're not going to use it, and then it was a waste of money from the in the first place.
0: Yep, yep. It's funny you mentioned that because uh, my parents were just visiting over the weekend uh, down from Cincinnati and uh we have youtube tv my mom actually uh started u- using youtube tv a few months ago and my mom's still pretty tech savvy so good on her for if you're listening to this mom good for you uh but my dad you might want to hold your ears for a second he can't do anything when it comes to television anymore yep. because he's so used to like he's we had dish network in our home in ohio cuz we lived not off the grid but what was considered rural at the time. We were uh, about 150 feet away from high-speed internet and cable television. Just because of it just where it happened to be Happened to be where that block was. We just didn't matter because we were on the last half mile of the road. Anyway, we had Dish Network. My dad's still trying to type in the channel numbers for Dish Network, and we haven't had that for since, since 2008. Like, that's... <laughs> so my point is is that that's how easy it was for him and now anything else just isn't that easy for him to learn so um you know my mom essentially just has the the three channels saved for him to be able to go to those that's how we made it easy for him but uh and and i had a client literally last week said the same thing i need my channel numbers it's exactly what he said this is great, I love the convenience, but I need my channel numbers. So we're putting in Comcast boxes right behind us TVs.
1: And, and, and so. I, I do think there's a, a way for us to maybe go a little bit into the luxury category with a cable box option, and that is with an HDMI matrix or with video distribution systems. And so mm-hmm. I would also like to just call out, if you're gonna put in a six-figure system and you want to really think through, like, I want the convenience of cable or I want the convenience of direct TV and all of those things. But I also want to make sure that I don't have in my 15 different locations, 15 different boxes, because that becomes very expensive, um, mm-hmm. even when you're in a luxury category. And I've met folks who can't spend all of their money in three lifetimes and they still look at it and go, but it just doesn't make sense. Like, what am I going to spend $10 a month on 15 boxes, right? Like, it still doesn't make sense. So even in a distribution network, one of the best things you can do is to do his, hers, or theirs. And so for whoever is in the house, they have their cable box. It's programmed into your system. And you can just select the box that you want in whatever room that you're in. Now, again, it's a luxury system, but in the best examples, you still have cable boxes, you still have direct TV boxes, right? And you can do the same exact platform with Apple TV or with Kaleidoscape or with um, anything that to you is important, right? And and that's really Mm kind of the main point of this is like, pick the thing that you like and build your system around that. Work with what it is that uh, is intuitive and easy for you to use.
0: Yes. Yes, I will say just to plug YouTube TV for a second, but YouTube TV with Sunday Ticket is a big win in my opinion, and I think it's something that'll probably come to other services. You know, yep. as as time progresses, I'm sure it'll eventually be available on other services. But uh, YouTube TV with MultiView, being able to watch four games at once, very similar to how our Savant tiling system works. Now, you can't choose whatever games you want. You have to give what they give you. But still, um, being able to just simply, you know, watch four multi- four games at one time and zoom into one of those games is pretty sweet.
1: Yeah, I did that the other day with college football, and they mm-hmm. didn't have the games that I wanted. But at the yep. same time, I'm sitting there going like, oh, man. Like, just have a, <laughs> as a built-in free option. Well, and it's, what is it, really? Picture in picture, just brought back right it is it's it is like the world hasn't changed you know
0: yep <laughs> yep yep oh it's, and it's, just updated. it's as we get to, i mean we're, we're going to talk about TVs here in a second but that's actually a feature that's on the new TV that I just got oh really yes
1: that's yes. awesome that's very cool <clears throat> well yes bring that back up when we get there yes so uh we've talked a little bit about YouTube TV there are a couple other options um Sling and Hulu, uh, although I don't think their picture quality um, and their interface is quite as intuitive. Um, But again, going back to it, they all have a free trial version. So you know what? If you want to, try it out. Put in your credit card number. If you're not happy at the end of your seven days, go ahead and cancel. Um, And I guarantee you nobody's going to get upset about it. So uh, take your time. Try them. See how they work. Give it a real shot. And uh, if you like one better than the other, rock and roll with that. Uh, I think uh, if we were to go to some of the uh, non-live streaming services, um, and Mark, maybe you could just, for, to start us off, could you explain to me what streaming is? Like, we always hear this word, and it's thrown around, and if you're a technical person, it seems so basic. But for the folks who are not technical, could you just tell me like what's going on in terms of streaming a little bit there?
0: Sure, sure. So essentially, um, unlike Kali Escape that we were talking about earlier, um, a streaming most of your streaming services are going to rely on a server that houses that content. So uh, you'll hear it typically referred to as somewhere in the cloud. So you go into your Disney's, your Netflix's, whatever it is, and essentially what they're providing you on that screen is a list of all the content they currently have on their server. So let's say, you know, you get to uh, Cars or whatever it is, and that's the movie you're going to watch. So you select that. Essentially, you're now just downloading or streaming that content Um Once you've selected it, so you hit it and it's going to start pulling it. Your internet connection is going to start downloading the film and it downloads, you know, maybe 20, 30 seconds ahead at a time, at a time. So you're not, you know, relying on it to download the entire movie right away. Uh, Especially if you live in a more rural area, you don't have as good an internet. Um, It'll buffer a, a little bit ahead so that you don't run into any skipping or pausing or anything along those lines. But essentially, that's it. They take it; it comes off that server. They squeeze it down, send it through the internet to your device. Your device reverses that process, uncompresses it a little bit, and displays it on your on your television. Um, but because of that, and you know, because of the infrastructure, you know, of the internet in our country and in other countries, it's it's not as good as it could be or will be at some point so that's where the uh you know kind of the the biggest negative to streaming is is that because of that additional compression they can't offer those really high quality blu-ray level or kaleidoscape level video processing or video quality because just simply because of the internet
1: yep absolutely absolutely and i think it's important to call out that you know, what you watch is important to kind of decide what apps are going to make sense for you. And again, this is a pretty personalized uh, kind of a conversation. Uh, One of them is Acorn TV does nothing but British dramas. So, you know, Downton Abbey (laughs) was a big thing for all those years. And if you're Downton Abbey house, then great. Awesome. You might want to spend your you know, five, six dollars, eight dollars a month, whatever it is, and make sure you get that app. And if you got a lot of kids, you know what, Disney Plus might make a lot of sense. And so, um, just knowing that those things are not live, but those are just movies and TV shows, uh, just kind of separating them out and taking a minute to look and see like what's on there. And if all you do is just type in that service into your Google web browser. And just start looking around. They'll tell you. They're like, hey, we've got Star Wars. We've got Marvel. We've got, and you can say, oh, well, I like to watch those movies. So let's go ahead and sign up and and knock those out. All right. Well, we've done plenty of stuff on sources. I think uh, people are probably uh, trying to cut the cord or or realizing that uh, there's a lot more options for them now than uh, there used to be. Uh, But I will do one last caveat, which is by the time you uh, cut your cord and you add in all the other services for everything else that you're going to do for streaming, there's this funny thing. It's like a law of the universe. Your bill ends up about the same. (laughs) (laughs) So I just want to be very... Because I hear it all the time. It's like, oh, well, if we stream, then we could save all this money. It's like, um, about that. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, It's, and every client I've ever worked with, as we optimize and we, you know, go through some of these things, the bill always ends up the same. There's really, and the reason is that no matter what the platform is that you try to use, uh, the same people making it are going to need to be paid. So that way they can make more shows. And so, you know, that's just, Kind of how it works, so where do the yep. wise you know yep. you're, not, you're not always going to save money if uh, you want to get what you want to watch, so
0: yep, yeah, my wife and I were just doing some budgeting yesterday, and uh, it's like hey i'm paying seventy five dollars a month for YouTube TV, and I have a client that just told me they're spending three hundred dollars, and now i'm not spending three hundred dollars on all of their services, but you know I'm paying ninety dollars for internet and 75 for TV, plus I bought Sunday Ticket, plus I have Netflix and Hulu and all the other for whatever reason. So yeah, it's like, all right, others. well, maybe I am, maybe I am spending about the same. So you're right. I mean, it's, and it's, you know, all the services switch between what movies they have and, you know, and honestly, a lot of the services have great content that they make as well. So it's, you know, right. it's hard to, it's hard to, You know, get rid of Netflix when Stranger Things exists or whatever show that you like to watch. You know what I mean. Whatever
1: your favorite is, exactly. And it and that's kind of the 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 thing I find more than anything else is, you know, if if you want to sacrifice and you want to watch less, right? Okay, fine. Yeah. Well, you can cut your bill. Why? Because you watched less. That's actually why it wasn't because of the service change over. You know. So, all right. Well, let's let's move into TVs. And uh, maybe we'll go through uh, uh, some of the uh, current, uh, excuse me, technology, and and maybe we can start having that conversation. So I want to buy a TV, Mark, and I don't want to spend a lot of money. Uh, So where do you start?
0: Sure. So um, that's, you know, still with what we do today, TVs are still one of the biggest things that we deal with. And, And I know earlier Dan said, you know, I'm not a huge TV guy and it's mainly just because at the end of the day we're concerned with getting you the overall experience. So a TV is a TV, yes it it'll, it'll every TV is going to display a picture, but there's a reason why there's a $300 Samsung TV and there's a, a $150,000 Samsung television that we sell. Yep. And it's not just because they want to price it up higher. Um it's going to have to do with a couple of things. The first is going to be how it actually displays the image and lights the image on screen so uh, your most inexpensive technology is going to be what you'll what you'll see called uh, either edge lit or direct lit technology and what that means is that you'll uh, envision a rectangle okay Um, and how and have every maybe three to four inches have an led light that's placed around that rectangle facing in, um, go all the way around. That's what an edge lit television does. So it's like light bulbs. It is. It's light bulbs, right? So you kind
1: of like shine in, right? Yep.
0: Yep. So you have a liquid crystal display an LCD, which has been around for ages. And then you have led light bulbs placed around the edge, um, a direct lit television instead of it being all the way around is typically at the bottom or in the back in the middle depending on what brand you're choosing um what does that mean for you it just means that you don't get the brightest image the most detailed image because the light has to come from the side of the screen to get to the middle and while you know you might be able to get you know a decent amount of brightness out of it. If you're watching a movie like the dark Knight, and it's the scene where he's in Hong Kong and he's about to jump off of the building and fly into the other building to, to capture the dude, uh, because it's got to make him bright in the center, but keep everything else dark. It just ends up making everything look what we call cloudy. Um, it kind of grays everything out because it's not able to, light him in the center of the screen because it's also got to turn the lights off at the edge of the screen. It's, it's really easy to demo. If you're ever in a, in a store, you can ask that question and it's very easy to show like, hey, this is the haloing or the cloudiness that you'll get out of uh, direct lit or, or edge lit displays.
1: Yeah, and, and I think it makes sense. Like, If I turn a light on in a room, then I have light in the room. I can't also have it be dark in the room. yep it's 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 really as simple as that and tvs are subject to the same physical laws as as the rest of the world so like we have to you know just think about how many light bulbs we're going to use in order to power that display so if i don't want cloudiness and i don't want to have one light bulb or one string of lights try and do too much work then I think the next thing that you could get into would be a backlit television where Mm -hmm. you start taking those light bulbs and you start putting them in different zones or sections of the screen. So the top right-hand corner has its light bulbs, and the middle has its light bulbs, and the bottom right has its light bulbs, and the bottom left has its light bulbs, and so on and so forth. And as you continue to add more and more light bulbs in more and more zones... You get finer control over each section. So going back to your dark dark night example, it's like, well, yeah, the building light bulbs can turn off, and the center light bulbs where he is can turn on. <laughs> and guess what? You yep. get more contrast as a result of that move. And so it's like people and people always say, it's like, well, I want you know, why does that TV look so sharp, right? Or why does that TV look so clear? That's what you that's what you see when you're looking at it. But what you don't mm-hmm. realize is that the technical term is called contrast. It's how much brightness in that section, or how much darkness in that section that's creating the separation that's giving you the definition, right? And and so it's like again, go to any store and you start to demo them, you start to look, you go, I get it. Contrast is sharpness. Even though Technically, sharpness might be how fine a resolution you may have. And so the terms may be confusing, but for the generic person who's not technical, when we say sharpness as professionals, you should uh, not think sharpness. When we say contrast, that should be your trigger word. Go, ah, that's what's going to make my picture quality better.
0: (laughs) Right, right. Right, and when you talk about backlit technology, there there are several descriptions out there from a lot of your different manufacturers. You'll see things like micro dimming. You'll see uh, mini LED, micro LED is kind of the you know the the big mm-hmm. one that that's that's coming uh, in LED technology, and um, essentially it's all those same things the way Dan described it. It's just Uh, As you go up in performance, the space between those LEDs gets smaller and smaller, meaning there's more and more LEDs placed behind the panel.
1: Yep, absolutely. Well, and that kind of takes us to what I think is one of the best technologies um, that we currently have. And I say one of the because uh, folks will have some conversations about Brightness and darkness and all this other kind of stuff. And I, I don't want to get too wrapped up in the into a debate that is going to go nowhere. Because mm-hmm. quite honestly, I think it's a false argument. If somebody says I need to have this technology for a bright room or that technology for a dark room, it's like, man, if you have a high contrasting image, guess what? <laughs> <laughs> it's going to look good in whatever room you put it in. Whatever yep. time of day you watch it. yep so it really i just want to maybe like stand on a soapbox for a second and say you know (laughs) there's a lot of times that i hear people you know worried about um should i do this tv or that tv and the light becomes a consideration you know what for plasmas that had glass screens yeah glare was a big deal um but uh that is just not the case anymore like it just I'm sorry. It's just not a big deal. It's been 20 years since that was a big deal, man. Like, stop, yep. stop with that argument.
0: <laughs> yep. And even, dude, even, I mean, I still have the first plasma TV that I bought when I've, heard, like, a year into working in this industry. It's a 50 inch Panasonic. And the model below this one had an anti glare filter. It was actually two pieces <laughs> of glass that were slightly off from each other to where it would just counteract the reflectiveness of light from ambient light in the room but it it was like maybe a 10 percent difference in reflectivity and it was like a 30 percent difference in actual picture quality performance because it actually hurt the picture quality right so i don't care who's out there like i know there are brands that we that we sell that are like oh this one doesn't reflect as much light the only tv that doesn't reflect light that much is the frame that's it like, like, really, it's the only one that doesn't. It's got the, the most matte finish out there, excluding third-party manufacturers, you know, the lower-quality TVs. I don't want to say it's the only one. I shouldn't say that. But if you're talking about a high-performance LED backlit, mini-LED, whatever, and a high-performance OLED, you shouldn't be considering the TV you buy based on how it reflects light in a room because both of them are going to. Yep one might be a tiny bit brighter than the other. That's really the biggest difference. And in my opinion, I could be wrong, but, uh, I mean, I own OLEDs in almost every room in my house now. So I guess that kind of puts me where I'm, where I'm standing on the soapbox. Uh, but, uh, and I have windows. I've got a window here to my right. I've got a big window in my living room. I, you know, if I'm watching TV in the middle of the day, Sure, I might notice it, but what am I watching? I've got football on. I'm not looking to get the detail that I need, nope. you know, that I would want watching a movie. When I'm watching a movie, it's night, and I have a, you know, room darkening shade, so.
1: Well, and I think there's <laughs> – we we jumped ahead a little bit, and maybe unfairly we did. so. So I'll, yep. I'll, let's just clarify. OLED, organic light emitting diode, that's what it actually stands yep. for, is where each – individual pixel is its own light bulb and this is the ultimate expression of uh television technology is what made plasma so good back in the day um and for all of you listeners who had old pioneer League heroes and you know raved about the picture quality uh, of how good it was the reason is a television can have uh for example like an espn scroll it'll have an area where there's information that's supposed to be black and information that's supposed to be white. So you can turn the LED all the way off to create the dark color of black. You can turn it all the way on to create the bright color white, and they can happen right next to each other. So going back to that contrast concept, it's like, well, yeah, I've got the most amount of contrast out of my screen. And it's such a good technology that every cell phone, that we carry that is a smartphone is an OLED technology. Every single one. Like they Mm -hmm. all are OLEDs. And I have OLEDs in my house because I think they give you the best contrast because you have the most light bulbs. Said another way, on a 4K display, there's 8 million light bulbs on that television. That's actually how you should think about it.
0: (laughs) 8 million.
1: it's, It's absolutely incredible. Anyway. So yep. <laughs> let's let, let's let's just say then if I've got eight million light bulbs, do I am I really worried about what's gonna happen with the light coming reflective, you know, from one side? So I'll I'll give you an argument against it because we've we've kind of shown our hand a little bit and we've said OLEs oh, well, <laughs> are the best. And it's because they have the most light bulbs and the best contrast as a result. But the frame TV is the counter to that, and I do wanna call out Um, also the LG uh, G series, because I think Mm -hmm. both of those give you a more unique approach. And I think the G series gives you the best of both worlds, but it leans its uh, performance to the TV side of things. You get an OLED screen. So you're going to get better television performance out of it than you would the Samsung frame. Conversely, the Samsung frame is going to give you a slightly better art experience. And so you yep. really do need to think about, all right, it's not so much how much light is in the room. The question is, what's the purpose or the design of the room? If it's a formal space, formal living room, formal, etc. etc. Yeah, we should probably do a Samsung frame. That's probably going to be the better move, even though the picture quality is not as good. It's still a great TV. It's still a very, very, very good picture quality. Like, so what what are we really talking about? Well, we need it to turn off. We need that texture. We need that uh, light sensor to be able to give that impression of art. And in order to make the art look really good, they had to compromise a little bit on the the picture quality. But that's okay, because what was the point? It's a formal space. It's a space where I don't want to see TV. Okay, great. Awesome. All yep. right, if I know it's a TV room, I'm going to use a sound bar anyway. I'm going to have <laughs>
0: some of these other, <laughs> right? Like,
1: all right, get an OLED. You know, get a G series. Give yourself that, that picture quality uh, boost. And uh, again, every room's a little bit different. So work with an integrator or a designer. But um, unless it's a really formal space, I think OLEDs are they're the way to go they're just, they're the way probably
0: probably. And, and, you know, I, I, I own one of the TVs I have is a frame TV and it's specifically that purpose. It was designed with what it was. That room is, is it's aesthetics are more important than the overall performance of the picture. So, um, you know, if you're a performance person, I think I do think OLED is, is probably your best bet. Unless, unless you just this is a commercial display or you just have an exorbitant amount of light in the room to where it, you know, you're going to need that extra knit brightness boost that uh, a mini LED TV may give you or will, would give you. But you are going to sacrifice some detail, in my opinion, but um, that brightness boost is important.
1: Yep. Well, and there's, there's one other thing that we should probably bring up and, in- Uh, If you play uh, games of any kind, uh, PC or consoles or anything like that, uh, there's a very, uh, I don't want to say old at this point, all things being relative, but frame rate is uh, kind of a big deal because it's going to talk about the clarity of things as they move and OLEDs have not had historically the best frame rates, even though the contrast was absolutely stunning. But that's not even so much an argument today as almost all of them are going to be 120 hertz, right, and do the things that they're supposed to do. So I really don't even look at that older argument, maybe from five, six years ago, where people may have been saying, yeah, but it's a 60 hertz panel or something along those lines. It's like, yeah, not anymore. That's that's not really a thing. So even if you're a gamer, I would still take you to an OLED and uh, tell you you're going to get a better experience that
0: way. Yeah, I mean gamer here, raising my hand. Um <laughs> the the monitor that my main monitor is a forty eight inch OLED yeah. T V. Uh it has G Sync G sync, Free Sync. So literally I plug it my computer directly into it and I have uh minimal input lag, if any. Really I, I don't have any. I don't ever notice it. If there is any, uh, you know, I'm not good enough to tell. Um Meaning yeah, that my brother, my my brother carries me in Call of Duty. We'll just put it that way, okay? Um, but legitimately, <laughs> it but but when it comes to frame rate performance, you know the the new television. Uh, I did just get a G Series, LG Gallery uh, OLED G three, and it actually has a performance monitor built in for gaming specifically, so I can actually measure the frame rates that I'm getting, and I'm averaging exactly at one hundred and twenty hertz. Yeah. On my Xbox. It's not even my PC. Like, this is just an Xbox Series X or a PlayStation 5, whichever one we've turned on there. Um, and I'm glad you brought up gaming because, you know, I, from time to time, you and I will go into one of our locations and we might have to sell a TV every once in a while. And most people, you know, we're getting close to the holidays. If you're buying a gaming system outside of the Nintendo Switch currently and you buy. One of the TVs we discussed earlier, it's not going to give you the performance that that console can actually output. Um,
1: And by the TV that's not going to do that, we mean a direct lit,
0: direct, or typically direct or edge lit. You know, it's TV and a 55-inch sub a thousand dollars. Let's you know, let's be on and on it maybe 65 sub a thousand for the holiday season. But you really, you really, you know, if you're wanting to get the best performance as far as the frame rates and the overall uh, color capabilities, uh, things like Dolby Vision and and, uh, HDR, uh, you're going to be looking at a mid-tier television from any manufacturer. So just keep that in mind when you're looking at these displays. Like, if you're going to be watching, uh, you're buying an Xbox Series X or a PlayStation 5, with this television then you know make sure that it's going to give you the performance that you're paying for otherwise you're not really getting the performance boost that those consoles all consoles offer
1: yeah and we'll just for the for the sake of uh those who are not technical um, anytime you see the words hdr uh, or uh, dolby vision they're just formats of how much color that tv is capable of reproducing and so to just sort of make it abundantly clear. If your PlayStation five is going to send you billions of colors worth of information, but your television is only capable of reproducing millions. Like you're bottlenecking the performance of that console. So I don't under, it's, it's just matching up the format. And so if you go to a backlit television uh, from any manufacturer, uh, you're, they're all going to have HDR or that better color already built into the display technology so you know that you're going to be good to go um so just don't cheap out on the display and spend all that money on a game console it just it doesn't make any sense
0: yep and dan and i are here to help so if you you know want to reach out have questions specifically about tvs because that just seems to be like we said earlier where we we start most interactions especially when we're in a store um You know, we've been doing this for so long that we're not going to steer you in the wrong direction. We're not going to force you to buy an OLED, even though they're pretty inexpensive nowadays. But, you know, if you have a question, (laughs) hey, it's a I'm buying this. My son wants a PlayStation five or daughter wants a PlayStation five or Xbox for Christmas. I want to get them the right screen to go with it. You know, we're going to steer you in the right direction.
1: Yep, absolutely. All right. Uh, Well, we have covered uh, a lot on sources, a lot on TVs. Um, the only other thing that we haven't really touched on is NITs, which is um uh NITS uh NITS is just a, a brightness number. And it's kind of like a top speed comparison for uh auto manufacturers, like how fast can this thing go and how bright can <laughs> this thing go? Um and uh I think it's really important to not put too much weight into some of the specs. Uh I know a lot of folks will Um, really like to debate. Oh, this thing can do X, Y, and Z. And uh, I think there's, you know, they tell it, you know, they, they, they give you a a nice report card. They can tell you what something's capable of, but it doesn't necessarily mean that's how it's going to actually perform. So it's important to, you know, to actually go look and see what it is uh, that you're about to buy. Because if you don't um, you can have something that on paper looks great, but in reality, may not actually perform as well as you think it does so correct all right correct how do you feel about uh a demo segment
0: Ooh, demos. demo
1: mark uh what are two uh demo tracks uh you think that we should be uh listening to and because we're doing video uh, do you have any video demos? Ooh,
0: yes, I have plenty of video demos, and I'm going to easily pick one from this wall of movies that I have next to me. And when I say that, I mean I'm going to take forever to find it because that's just <laughs> how my brain works. Um, you know, we brought up um, we brought up uh, The Dark Knight earlier. Um, one of my uh favorite, um. Demos that I used to use was uh, the beginning scene from The Dark Knight. Um, mainly, especially you know, the, if you're you're watching it and on Blu-ray, it's going to have the uh, the IMAX uh, uh, film size, so yep. it's going to be bigger than a sixteen by nine format. So you'll notice in a lot of Nolan movies, we we really didn't talk about formats, but it'll go from having the black bars on the bottom and the top to not. Um, and that's just because those segments are filmed with an IMAX camera, which is just a central, essentially a wider aspect ratio. But, um, you know, I'm, you could pretty much name most of Christopher, Christopher Nolan's movies for the most part and use those for not just visual, but audio demos as well. Um, so the first scene from the dark night, um, one of my favorite scenes right now is actually the beginning scene from Tenet. Have you seen Tenet? Oh my Dan?
1: goodness. It's awesome. It it's so it's actually
0: good. it's it's a little triggering. So like if you're if if that's fair, I, I will say that like uh, I I started using it as a demo. But you know if if you're triggered by violence, um, specifically gunshots or something along those lines, it's it can be a little triggering. But if you're you know you're going to be in a cinematic experience and you're just wanting the best thing, that scene at the beginning is it just starts the whole movie off with your heart racing. So, um I don't want to give it away because it's it's very it, it just, you know, you know what I'm saying? It gets your heart pumping, you know what I mean? Yep,
1: absolutely. And listen, I'm glad you called it out because uh triggered is, you know, we use that word because it is extremely startling and mm-hmm. <laughs> uh I know a lot of guys uh used to use uh, the opening sequence to saving private Ryan. Uh, which yep. is still a classic, classic demo. And uh, for an adult audience, absolutely fantastic. Like there's no yep. question about it. Um, yep. But it's not actually the one that I want to use uh, for mine. I actually want to go uh, back in time and uh, recommend that folks use uh, 2001 A Space Odyssey. <laughs> Yes uh, I'm not a huge Kubrick guy like it's just not for me uh, like I appreciate what he does from a film perspective and a directing perspective and all this. but you know he goes a little too far down the you know down down some dark rabbit trails sometimes uh, for me and uh, that being said, oh my goodness, 2001 back in the 60s, like they shot that so well. like they just mm-hmm. shot it so so well and there's that moment where you know you see the space station for the first time and it's like just sitting there spinning and the classical music is going on in the background and it's like i get it like i like i just i get it it's awesome so um yep doesn't have to be a new movie you can go back in time and find a great demo and 2001 is one of them
0: yep yeah i actually have it on kaleidoscape and uh, one of the things we didn't say about Kaleidoscape is uh, it's, it's the best demo device in your system. <laughs> yes, it is. And I don't mean because the quality, I mean, all of those things, but every movie, it, it essentially gives you the full IMDb profile first. So if you're looking for a certain actor or actress, it's going to tell you right there when, you know, at the info screen when you click on the movie. But it's also going to break a lot of these movies down into scenes. So, for instance, um, what's the song that plays? I said blanking right now, but you know what I'm talking about. The, 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 yes, yeah, that part. Um, that is a scene. So it's like, okay, this gets you right to the action. Um, just you know you're not sitting there, hey, hey buddy, let me play this one scene for you, but let me spend forty five seconds to a minute trying to fast forward to get to the right scene or hope that it's a chapter that's saved on a disc yep um it's it's pretty awesome um uh, Sprach, uh zarathustra is,
1: uh, so, yep yep that's yep. correct and I'm sure I've totally butchered the pronunciation <laughs> of that guy um which was uh, Richard Strauss uh who's the composer on that right right uh yeah very classic uh great way to show off your speakers um so yeah i was
0: gonna say i was gonna say rick flair's entrance music that's what i was actually (laughs) gonna say but um
1: two very (laughs) different backgrounds and uh demographics are gonna get that one but that's good no matter who you are we're happy you're listening
0: yep um uh, and I didn't mention my second movie. I know I kind of went through, but, uh, man, my favorite one, one of my favorite ones, and it's going to be from the star Wars prequel trilogy, which, you know, if you don't like it I'm sorry, um, I specifically episode, episode two. Okay. good. You know where I'm going with this. Oh, yep. Yeah. Episode two. <laughs> um, and it's the scene where, uh, Obi-Wan is um, essentially trying to follow Django uh, Fett and uh, Jango hides from him and then gets behind him and uh, well, not gets behind him. What am I saying? Uh, finds that Obi-Wan's tracking him. So he releases the depth charges into the asteroid field. And when you talk about showing off the dynamics of any system, uh, it's it this is going to put your system to the test. So uh, especially when it comes to audio, not necessarily video, but uh, yeah, one of my favorite demos.
1: Well, and uh, I'm glad you went to to Star Wars, but not to episode three, which is mine. I like the intro to episode three. (laughs) Yes. Yes. The reason is I've seen that movie probably uh, 4 million times. Um, Yep. And it's because I use that introduction to calibrate systems Uh, Mm -hmm. the sound design for star Wars was originally done by a guy named Ben Burtt. And so he has um, some ties to some really pioneering sound effects legends Um, and uh, Walter Mersch being one of them. And so for folks who are really, really into film, you'll know who those guys are. If you're into sound design at all, but uh, you know those movies, like they are just so incredibly well done. Um, and uh, I'm gonna just sort of piggyback on that, which is Wally. If yes. you if you want to hear just an incredible soundscape, Ben Burt does just magic with Wally.
0: Um, I didn't know that was Ben Bert. I actually just watched that ugh. maybe in the middle of last week. I hadn't seen it in a long time, and I'm like, I need to watch this movie.
1: And it just sounds absolutely incredible. So, um, all right. Well, with that, go watch some uh, fantastic movies, enjoy some, uh, you know, great tunes and great visuals, and uh, we will see you guys on the next episode.
0: We'll see ya.